Well, this past Tuesday, I found myself at uh, Seneca High School at a, at a track meet. And while I was there, getting ready for uh, Jacob to run in the 100-meter race, I uh, got a phone call from Sherry. And the phone call uh, started something like this. Phil, what's the closest hospital to you? And I was uh, alarmed by that, and, and I said, Morris, and she said, we are heading to the emergency room in Morris then. We will meet you there. Reggie was out in the backyard, and he had a stick, kind of like a shovel handle without a shovel on the end, and he was poking into the ground. He's poking, and apparently he hit himself right in the eye in the right eye. Allie somehow saw it. I don't know how. She was inside. Maddie and Molly were, out, were outside playing, and I think Dylan Patrick was there as well. And Reggie is just like, I'm, I'm okay, I'm okay. But his eye looked like Rocky, the movie Rocky. It was huge and puffy, and, 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 and just uh, Sherry was just frightened by what what the outcome might be. She didn't know if he had uh, stabbed it with something extremely sharp or what the situation was, but it was intense enough where she was like, we're going to the emergency room right away. So I'm in Seneca, and I'm pretty worried about it. And so I get in the van, and, and, and mind you, when you have no control, let alone you're not in that, in that spot to even console all kinds of things are going through your mind. But I decided I was going to rest in the Lord as much as possible. I was going to pray to him. And then once I got on the road, as I was sprinted to the van from where I was at in the track meet, I was going to call Sherry. Well, Seneca doesn't have good phone service. You're in the valley. And so I couldn't get a hold of Sherry, so I had to wait patiently longer and my goal was to call several, uh, several of you to be praying for this situation. That's what I often do when I, when I have a major situation. I, I have people praying, rallying, taking it to the Lord. But I still wanted to talk to Sherry first while I was driving. Finally, I got a hold of Sherry, and, and we're talking. I could hear Reggie crying in the background. And, and then all of a sudden, Sherry goes, Wait, wait, I'll call you back. I was like, oh my. So she hangs up, and now I have to wait patiently longer. And they call me back. Allie actually was the one who called me back. And she said, Reggie's fine. I said, what? I already saw the pictures. I saw the video of his eye. They don't know what happened. Allie was rubbing his face and like just consoling him and all of a sudden Reggie goes oh hey guys I'm okay and so I had them FaceTime me and show me Reggie's face and you couldn't tell anything happened a miracle but in that time the patience that I had to wait I had to endure that and where did where did it go to it went to the Lord it went to the Lord and and, and that's where we try to find our patience, that's where we gain our patience, is from the Lord. Two weeks ago, we discussed the beginning of the chapter. We, we learned about all of the things that were happening with the ungodly wealthy. Kind of their doom. The doom and gloom of those who, who aren't following the Lord and who are taking advantage uh, of those that are uh, in need, maybe even cheating them. Now we're going to see a shift in the whole conversation by James. He's going to shift the conversation, and he's going from discussing and, and communicating about the non-believers to talking and encouraging those that follow Jesus Christ, to those that love him. This is, this is his, his encouragement, his response of what the faithful should respond with. And did you realize that you and I, if you call yourself a believer, that your response to situations should be different 
than a response of a non-believer. Most of the time it will be. So I, wa I want you to think about that in the flip side, that the non-believer's response isn't going to be like a Christian's response, and that's okay. We have to look at that and embrace it and understand that they're not going to respond to me or they're going to treat me or they're going to communicate with me in ways that aren't godly, and that's okay. Why wouldn't they? They aren't following Christ. Well, let's dig in today's scripture. It's going to be found in James chapter 5. We're still in the book of James. We have uh, two more sermons after this. James chapter 5, verses 7 through 12. Some great scripture here. If you'd stand with me while I read this, and you follow along, James 5, 7 through 12. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it, rece until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Verse 12. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Heavenly Father, to you we owe all the glory. May you speak to us even now. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, how can we gain patience? That's the question we're asking today. How can we gain patience? First, we need to rest in the Lord's return. James tells us we need to rest in the Lord's return. Verse 7 right away says, be patient. Be patient. Two simple words. I mean, shouldn't, the, shouldn't his audience right now be outraged at this moment? Shouldn't they be like frustrated with what the, what the rich have done to oppress them? But right away, James says, be patient. Here, here's a picture. I think Jacob has up here. Th this is Robert Godwin Sr., Last Sunday, Easter Sunday, Robert was walking downtown Cleveland when a stranger approached him. The stranger said, Sir, I want you to tell me, just repeat this name to me. And he gave him a female's name. And the 74-year-old grandpa just repeated the name of whatever this random female and then he shot and killed them. This is the man that was gunned down on Facebook last Sunday. He had nine children and 14 grandchildren, many great-grandchildren. Beyond a very sad situation. He was just picked out of a crowd. He's actually walking around picking up aluminum cans. He did it as a hobby in his retirement, just decided he was going to start a hobby, and, and he's been doing it for several years, about 11, 12 years. He's been picking up aluminum cans just for the fun of it and then recycling them and getting some pocket change, and that's what he was doing. And the man who had some sort of situation with an ex-girlfriend, that was the name he wanted him to repeat, he videotaped the massacre, and, and posted on Facebook. What was so interesting was that Anderson Cooper interviewed three of the children 
on CNN. And three of the children interrupted Anderson Cooper and, and, and said, we 100% wholeheartedly forgive this man. He obviously has a situation in his life that he can't control. And we know that God can help him. We know that in our hearts we hold nothing against him because we love Jesus Christ. How could they have patience at that moment to be even thoughtful to offer forgiveness? Shouldn't they be outraged and ticked? Obviously, Anderson Cooper, he couldn't figure it out. He was bewildered. This was godly patience. Well, just like Mr. Godwin's children, James, in a moment of disgust over the actions of the rich, taking advantage of the poor, he and, 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 and also these kids, they still had a concern for purity amongst Christians. You see, our heart, our, that's the desires, is that we have patience in times of trials and tribulations where we have a heart that is pure towards Christ, pure towards our belief and our faith in the Son of God. Remember, the goal of James, and I've said this many times, the goal of this whole book is, is almost uh, an evaluation for his readers to evaluate themselves to say, am I a genuine Christian? Do I truly follow Jesus Christ in honoring ways? And when we look at James's response, he's taken his own advice that he wrote back in the first chapter. In James 1, 9 through 15, it says, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. James is taking his own advice. So friends, could we spend our time today on just these two words, be patient. That's what we could do. We could just say, we're just going to stay with these two words and, and we could preach about that uh, for the next two hours. But we will continue on. You see, the, the word patient here is makroth uma, which, which is like the macro word that we use. We, we talk about macro being large, but really it's long. That's the original meaning, is long. And so he's talking about not only just simple patience, but long patience, long suffering. Be patient a very long time. And that's hard for some of us to do, is to be patient a very long time. It, we're, we're impatient. We, we can't wait for the microwave to get done. We can't wait uh, to get something at, at a drive-thru and we're annoyed because they're not getting it out to us fast enough. Or you're sitting in the restaurant and you're waiting for the waitress and, and it's annoying because they're not, they, how do they already have their drinks next to me? You said it, I know, I have as well. This is the exact same word that Hebrews 6.15 says when, when they're talking about the patience of Abraham. Hebrews 6.15, and thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. Patiently waited for such a long time. Patiently. Ephesians 4, 2 through 3 says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Patience. Acts 26, 2 through 3. Paul is making his defense. If you remember, Paul gets to make to the defense, and, and he says, I consider myself fortunate that it is before you, King Agrippa, that I'm going to make my defense today. And then he says at the end, 
Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. Don't you like it when people listen to you patiently and they're not annoyed when, when, when you're, you're talking like, okay, just get to the end of the story. Get to the end. So what's the point? What, what are you trying to say? Some of you are smiling there. I'm glad the Lord is patient. Luke 18, 7 says, our, says, And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? Do you realize that our Lord is patient? And if he wasn't patient, whoo, we'd have ourselves a situation. Our God is patient. Then James gives us an example of the farmer. The farmer waits patiently. Verse 7b says, See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and late rains. A couple of quick points. The word precious here, precious, precious, the fruit is precious. Some versions say it's valuable. These words, they're, they're basically saying that the farmer is in need. He's in a true need. These aren't just extras. He, he's working hard because he's thinking about, oh my goodness, I've got to have, ha have this happen. I've got to have the rains come because I need this fruit. I need what comes from this. It is valuable. It is crucial to their living, to their sustenance. You see, the, the farmer is patient over one thing and until another. Patient over one thing and until another thing. The verse says the farmer waits for the valuable fruit of the earth, being patient over it. And he's patient until it rains. And it reminds you and me that there's something for us to be patient over. Something that's way more valuable than riches or some call it the easy life. And James is saying that Christians are to be patient over their trials so they can gain maturity. It's that maturation in your Christian walk that, that James is trying to communicate because that is absolutely crucial because we need to persevere until the coming of the Lord. And it's where we move to verse 8. It says, you also be patient. Be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. The Lord is coming. Ever since his resurrection, the church has looked to the Lord's return, as we do today. The second coming of Jesus, it's, it's one of the most major topics in the New Testament. In fact, one out of every 25 verses in the New Testament point towards the second coming of Jesus Christ. That's crazy to think about. Acts 1.11 says, tells us what the angels said when Jesus, during Jesus' ascension. Acts 1.11, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The angels are telling us that. The moment of Christ's return, it's going to be glorious. It's going to be glorious, and, and everybody will see it. Matthew and Revelation, they tell us. Revelation 1.7 says, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes on the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. One of the awesome things is, is that, that Jesus, he, when he comes back, he's not going to be coming back alone. Okay, it would be fine if, if Jesus came back by himself. Obviously, that would be great. But scripture teaches us that there's going to be a host of people joining him. And who is that? Matthew 25, 31 says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. So, 
Why should the return of Christ motivate us to be patient? Because we can understand that the things that we do here on earth, the people we communicate with at, at NIU, the people we help in their homes, the widows, uh, the people we serve at, at, at the, uh, in Lee at the uh, food pantry, the, the people we love on an individual basis that we call and we encourage our kids, the people we serve in, in other countries, all of that work, all of that work is not for nothing. We continue to do it. We continue to, to work until the Lord's return. It's like the farmer. Just keep working. Keep pulling the weeds. Keep prepping stuff. Keep working. And the rains will come. Just keep preparing. Jeremiah 5.24. What a great picture of God's promised faithfulness. Jeremiah 5.24 says, They do not say in their hearts, Let us fear the Lord our God who gives the rain in its season, the autumn rain and the spring rain, and keeps for us the weeks appointed for the harvest. God has promised the rains so the farmer could be patient in his laboring. God has promised the return of Christ so Christians can be patient in their trials. And by the way, the beginning of this verse says, you also be patient, establish your heart, James is saying, don't be weak. Be strong. Be strong in it. Be mindful in it. Because Jesus is coming back soon. We have to move on. So how to gain patience? The second way, remember the Lord's judgment. Remember the Lord's judgment. Verse 9 says, Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged, behold, the judge is standing at the door. Well, James has shifted here. He first talks about the nature of Christ in patience, and now he's going to give us, he's going to give his readers a specific example. In this case, grumbling. Did you know that? Did you know that Christians sometimes grumble? I mean, not here, obviously. But there are places where Christians grumble, where they sigh. The word that James uses here is the exact same word used in Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. Groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. You know, over the years as an educator, I heard a lot of grumbling. A lot of people groaning. And a lot of times it was, it was about the administration. But then when I was in administration, it was about the teachers. It, it was about, whoa, they don't care about me. Both directions. I don't make enough money. This is, this is tiring. When is summer coming? <laughs> How many days? There you go. <laughs> Thanks, Doc, for proving my point. I, I, <laughs> I, yes. Well, that's a good point. Students sometimes grumble as well. You know, uh, I, we had a teacher at my school in Oswego, and on day one, I walked into her classroom, and she had uh, a calendar that was counting down by the, like, hundredth second of the last day of school. Grumbling. Sometimes, you know what? People in churches actually grumble. They, they oh, my goodness, that music. Did you hear that? Why did they play that? Did you hear the pastor? How rude. Or he's way too long. You guys probably say, I'm too short, I know. Or it was too hot in there. Oh, it was freezing in there. 
We, we grumble about things all the time, and we, we go and talk to other people, and that's not profitable for anyone. Mark Twain, he once said, don't complain and talk about all your problems. 80% of the people don't care. The other 20% probably think you deserve it. And he's probably right. You know, some of us grumble at the Lord, actually. We grumble at the Lord because of our situation. God, why, why, why did you put me in this situation? Why, why do I have to go through this? Why am I suffering the sickness? Why, the family says, did Grandpa have to die on Easter Sunday? Why? I don't deserve this. You start grumbling. We've all been there at some point. I like the words of Jeremiah. I mentioned it in, in small group that I heard someone preaching about it, uh, uh, that a preacher said this, but I, I realized in my head it was actually Jeremiah in the book of Lamentations. I didn't hear him speak. Lamentations 3.39, Jeremiah said, Why should a living man complain? A man about the punishment of his sins. Jeremiah understood that, you know what? I shouldn't complain about anything because I am nothing. How's that for an uplifting message for you today? You are nothing without God. Amen? With God, you are everything. You are the reflection of Jesus Christ. Then James throws out a warning. So that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. It's exactly what Jesus had said. Judge not that you, you be not judged. You see, the Lord is close by, he's at the door, and he's returning soon. Stop grumbling. This is what I hear James saying in this, in this verse. Stop worrying about other people's issues. Stop grumbling. Stop complaining. Stop whining. Focus on serving the Lord. Focus on persevering in your faith. And be looking and waiting for the return of Christ the King. Christ the judge, as James so beautifully put it. I'm preaching to myself right now, friends. You can listen in on it if you want. Because sometimes you're grumbling, sometimes you're smart. I'm pretty smart when it comes to this. I don't grumble out loud. I grumble in here and in here. Are you getting what I'm saying? We sometimes grumble in, in ourselves, not out loud, so then we feel good. I don't complain about anything. But we are complaining all the way, even in our prayers, and we don't even realize it. We have to release that. I have to release that. I have to bring it before the Lord, before the judge, before the king. Thirdly, we can gain patience when we resemble the Lord's servants. Verse 10 says, As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. It's just like in the second chapter. James, James brings back, uh, what was it, Abraham and, and Rahab in the second chapter. He talks about the prophets because he knows, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be able to connect with my audience it, it, it would be like uh me sharing about reggie last week you guys were able to recognize reggie and understand his shenanigans and you can understand and, and you can connect with that and that's what james is doing right here he wants to help them these jewish christian people who reflect on the old testament prophets all the time 
And they understand it from, and they understand their legacy. He's helping them to understand that you can gain patience if you resemble how they were long-suffering, how they had patience and, and endurance is another word that you could use for that. You know, it, it really helps if we look at other people as an example. Have you done that in your life where you watch somebody else as an example and try to replicate, try to imitate what they're doing? I worked uh, on my house at home. In my kitchen, I did all kinds of construction work and, and, and electrical work. I learned that through watching YouTubes. And then I imitated it. I just fixed our dryer a few weeks ago. We had the element went out. That was just a guess based on what I researched. Bought a new element, had no idea how to put it in. But I watched a YouTube, and I watched literally the guy do it on YouTube, and I paused it every step of the way, and I did it and fixed it because I imitated it. That's what James is saying right here. Hey, hey, look at what they did and imitate it. Imitate it. Just follow what they did. Jacob sometimes, he watches basketball videos, and he tries to imitate those things. My dad would always say, watch all of these professionals and steal an idea from each of them that you could make your own, and then that could be who you are. Jesus said in John 13, 15, for I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Well, throughout the Old Testament, you see the people of Israel, they, they, they went to the Lord and then they fell away from the Lord. And then, then the Lord would call a prophet, and then they would repent, and they'd go back to the Lord, and then Israel would reject the Lord. Over and over, this roller coaster situation. But the teachings that the prophets had, even though sometimes it wasn't profitable, it can, their message continued on. And that's what, that's the listeners, the, the audience that he's writing to, they knew those lessons that those prophets taught. We could learn a lot from that as well. And these, these prophets, they spoke boldly. They spoke boldly, speaking on behalf of the Lord of hosts. Nearly all the prophets, interesting enough, suffered affliction. And that's where the, the, the long-suffering the endurance, the patience that James is referring to. Elijah was forced to flee. Isaiah, he was sawn in half. Daniel, he was put in a lion's den. Joseph, we studied that. He was sold into slavery and at one point was in prison for quite a while. Jeremiah was left in a pit to rot. There were mockings and scourgings. And you know, interesting enough that some of the prophets suffered under uh, the Gentiles, like Daniel, but many of the prophets were by the Israelites, by their own people, backstabbing them, ridiculing them. Second Chronicles 36.16 says, But they kept mocking the messengers of God, despising his words and scoffing at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord rose against his people, until there was no remedy. What a great example that James has for his readers. They're being taught to be patient in their tough times, in their difficulties, in their most major trials. Just be patient. Endure, just like these people. We, we need to look at people who we want to follow, who we want to replicate in their character, in their endurance. And the prophets are great ones to do. Fourthly, we can gain patience when we recognize the Lord's blessings. When we recognize the Lord's blessings. Verse 11a says, Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord. I mentioned Job a couple weeks ago. Job went through a tremendous amount of pain and suffering and trials 
And God allowed it. God allowed Satan to, to cause so much trouble in his life. And he couldn't figure out. I mean, Job wasn't necessarily deserving of all the trials that came to his life. But they came anyway. He lost all of his possessions. People stole from him. The, the heavens, the fire came down and burned his barns and, and killed the livestock in there. His camels were stolen while other things were happening. And then a huge windstorm came and killed his ten children. And if that wasn't enough, Job was, was given boils from head to foot. And yet Job showed his endurance, his steadfastness, patience during a horrible time. Yeah, yeah, Job asked a lot of questions. But he continued to be faithful. He would not push off the Lord. And you know what? In the end, his end was better than his beginning. Because why would we be talking about Job in a, in a section where I'm referring to blessings. For a true child of God, the end is always better than the beginning. And I am so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that the end of my life, my life here on earth, the very, very end, right after it's over, is going to be so much better than the rest of those days before. Aren't you thankful for that? That's a, that's a great thing. And you know what? This life may be stormy like Job. You may have boils from head to toe. You may be about to be sawn in half. You may have people knocking on your door, wanting to take your car from you. Or maybe you, you're, you're suffering an injury. But the Lord wants to bless you at the end of your life. For Job, he blessed him. You remember he gave him double of everything, of all his possessions. He gave him ten more children. The Lord was very good to Job. So many times you and I were put through trials in our lives. We have difficulties. We have pains. We can have patience if we focus in on what God has in store for us. And that was the purpose of God. One, test Job's faith. Two, demonstrate to Satan that there was a man of true faith. Three, help Job to know God better. And four, bless Job more than ever than he was ever blessed. You see my point there is that through your trials, no matter what that trial is, maybe you're overwhelmed with work. You have so much work to be done. Maybe you suffered a sickness or an injury, but God wants to use that trial if you will patiently endure to make you stronger, to give you a different perspective to bless you in a different way than you can, you can imagine. It doesn't mean that you're going to become rich at the end. That's not the, the, the magic that happens. No, the blessings are, are things that you and I can't imagine. We wouldn't do it the way that our lives have gone. We wouldn't have laid it out exactly this way, but God has. God has allowed it. One of my favorite verses is Romans 8.28. You know that all things work together for the good to those that love the Lord, to those that are called according to his purpose. Let's move on. The fifth way we can gain patience is when we reflect on the Lord's character. Verse 11b says, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Compassion and mercy. The character of God you know, going right back to the prophets and remembering how the people in Israel, they rejected God all the time, yet God would call them back and would show mercy and compassion on them. 
It was the ups and downs. Think of how many times that you've wronged God or somebody else. And you just, you desire, once you get to that point, you're like, oh my goodness, please forgive me. I am so sorry. And you just want them to be merciful to you. You want them to be kind to you. Well, that's our Lord. That's our Lord and Savior. He is merciful. His character is flawless. Lamentations 3, 22 through 23 says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Medical issues, relationship issues, legal issues, financial issues, addiction issues. I, I don't know what's going on in your lives with any of those issues. But if you have patience in the Lord, he will be merciful to you. He will be compassionate to you. The Lord loves you. He loves his children more than I love my children. I think that I love my children quite a bit. I would die for my children in a second. No hesitation. And my love doesn't even compare to the Father's love to his children, to God's love to Christians. The Lord has a purpose for all that he does in our lives, and he wants to bless us. Finally, patience is gained when we recall the Lord's words. James uses the exact same words that, that Jesus spoke in the Sermon on the Mount. Verse 12 says, But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by the, any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. I just referred back to it, Matthew 5, 33 through 37. Again, this is Jesus. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black, let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. And he spoke of that from the Sermon on the Mount. So why would, why would, why would James insert this at this point in his letter? Commentators are all over the place on, on exactly why this ends up right there. I'm not going to go into great detail, but we will dig in a little bit. First of all, let's just talk about what this verse is saying. It's talking about truth. It's talking about telling the truth. And truth is absolutely crucial in our lives. You know, James talks all through the letter about controlling your tongue. And this is just another time. And I, I actually know way too many Christians... Way too many Christians, too many people that confess to, to trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And you know what? They just lie. They tell lies. They, they, they tell stories. Sometimes just to do it, just because it's fun. 1 Peter 3.10 says, for whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil, evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Very similar, uh, Psalm 34, 12 says, What man is there who desires life and loves many days, that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Lying is a surefire way to eliminate patience in your friends and family. Absolutely, they will lose their patience. If you want to hear someone grumbling, lie to them. If you want to make someone angry, 
lie to them. About 15 years ago, I, I, I made a quick phone call to Prophetstown, Illinois. I was calling Sherry's uncle, who had lent me a creation tape, a VHS tape, and I wanted to talk to him about it. And his wife, Pam, answered the phone. Right at that moment, for whatever reason, I decided to disguise my voice. The old prank phone calls. No caller ID on the other end. And you know, I, I spoke with Pam for 45 minutes in another man's voice, acting like I was a director for a movie, up-and-coming movie, and I wanted to hire her daughter uh, to perform in that movie because I knew she had been in high school plays at that time. Finally, after 45 minutes of lying, I told her who I was, thinking I was funny. Aunt Pam, she didn't think it was too funny. In fact, it took me almost a decade to gain that trust back. See, lying, even though it's sometimes fun, you do it in fun, it can cause people to lose patience with you. Many crushed Christians, many of us, struggle with telling falsehoods. So in addition to truth-telling, James is talking about making oaths making promises. You see, in that time, people continued, they would make an oath. Some would say, I will swear by my horse. And then they would make a decision. I swear by this. I swear by that. They'd make different, and they knew that if they swore by something lesser than God, that they weren't going to follow through with it. It was kind of like you and me telling each other something, and then you cross your fingers behind your back. That's what James is dealing with here. There's this guy that I know, and, and he would always say to me, hey, can I tell you the truth? He would always lead into his stories. Can I tell you the truth? I literally started saying to him, no, 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 seriously, lie to me. Lie to me. I'm going to enjoy this. Lie. And he, and he looked at me. He never got it. He never understood why I said that. But I, I've heard people say, oh, I swear on the Bible, this is true. James is saying, just say yes or just say no. Don't lie. Don't beat around the bush. Don't make an oath that, Again, something else. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. That's how you'll help people to be patient. That's how they'll trust you. When a person uh, speaks, let their, let their speech be their bond. Let their word be their truth. Bottom line, if we engage in boastful, deceptive speech or false oaths, we will fall under judgment. That's what James is trying to teach here. And we've seen that judgment is a significant issue with James. So I'm going to conclude today with, with the ABCs of trials. The ABCs of trials, author is unknown. I think Jacob has it up here. You've got it up here, Jacob? Now read it here. Although... Things are not perfect because of trial or pain. Continue in thanksgiving. Do not begin to blame. Even when the times are hard, fierce winds are bound to blow. God is forever able. Hold on to what you know. Imagine life without his love. Joy would cease to be. Keep thanking him for all the things love imparts to thee. Move out of camp complaining. I like that. No weapon that is known on earth can yield the power praise can do alone. Quit looking at the future. Redeem the time at hand. Start every day with worship. 
to think is a command. Until we see his coming, victorious in the sky, we'll run the race with gratitude. Nice use of X. Exalting God most high. Yes, there'll be good times. And yes, some will be bad. But Zion waits in glory where none are ever sad. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for being our king. And Lord, may we wait on you patiently, enduring our day-to-day. Lord, may we look to your face, may we look to to the prophets of old, those that have followed you all their lives, and and look at their example. May in some way you create in us, you allow us to be examples for other believers. That people can look to us even though we know that we're the greatest of sinners. Give us opportunities to have people look to us and want to follow just like we are. Lord, please help us to imitate your son as much as possible. We are so thankful for the sacrifice of Jesus. We're so thankful for his life and his death and his resurrection as we celebrated last week. We celebrate today. It's in his name we pray. Amen.